is Norm Holy for WFHB, and today I am interviewing Dr. John Dunning. He is a professor of wildlife ecology in the Department of Forestry and Natural Resources at Purdue University. Is there a mismatch between the migration and the emergence of insects for some of those smaller bird species? So this is another effect of climate change that's being studied really pretty well now uh, in a variety of places across North America and also in Europe. They're worried about the same thing. The, our migratory systems are set up so that birds passing through on the way to the breeding grounds hopefully can find enough food to give them energy for each step of migration. This is really well studied with a, a number of shorebird species that go to places like Delaware Bay and Chesapeake Bay and feed on the eggs of horseshoe crabs. And their spring migration is timed just so they hit the peak of that horseshoe crab egg laying and they get tons of food that way. We think the same thing happens with our migratory songbirds here. In this case, we're mostly worried about the long distance migrants, the ones that are coming from South America or Central America or Mexico as opposed to short-distance migrants that are maybe just coming from the southern United States. These long-distance migrants time their migration by using changes in day length. Actually, it's the length of the nighttime that kicks in their hormones to migrate. That's something that doesn't change, and over the centuries was a reliable cue as to when is the appropriate time to move north. As our winters have become milder and milder, and our springs have started earlier and earlier, then things like tree leaf out has started earlier and earlier. When that happens, timing the beginning of migration based on day length isn't as reliable a cue. Up here in the West Lafayette area, in the early days of May, what we notice is that when oak trees start to unfurl their leaves, when the buds break and those young leaves start out, that's when enormous numbers of insects try to feed on those leaves. The oaks don't put in all of the secondary chemical compounds that protect their leaves for the first couple of days. It takes them a while, and, and that makes those leaves vulnerable. When the birds are migrating through, they really hit those young oak leaves and to feed on those insects. They really target large numbers of insects that are, can be found at that time. The leaf out comes earlier and earlier than those vulnerable leaves, and therefore the biggest insect populations are now occurring before the pulse of our long-distance migrants move through. And by the second week of May, when we typically have our big days to go out in one day and on a weekend and try to count as many birds as we can, the trees are already completely leafed out in, in many cases. And that means we see fewer migrants. It also means there's less food for the migrants. So there's a real worry that there's a disconnect between the timing of migration and the cues the birds are using and when the best pulse of food for them. Are they likely to adapt? We've been looking for evidence of that, and there's all sorts of creative ways that people have been looking for uh, whether the birds are changing their behaviors. So, for instance, there was a real interesting paper a couple of years ago where somebody went to the journals of Henry David Thoreau. He kept journals where he wrote down every day what flowers he saw blooming in the spring and the days that he saw the first yellow rump warbler of the spring or common yellow throat in the spring. So he wrote a daily record going for a couple of decades, and we can now compare when we are seeing those species showing up. And that gives us a record not just going back a couple of decades, but 100 years or more. Um, 
And that's the time frame that you need to be looking at to see whether the birds are, are changing their behavior. And the answer is some species are, but other species do not seem to be altering their migratory behavior as quickly. And so there seems to be some ability of the birds to evolve but not all the species are take, taking advantage of the earlier pulse yet. Our state forests are converting from the oak beech to hickory maple. Do hickory maple provide the same number of insects that are provided by the oak? Oak and hickory is what is in the dominant canopy classes now, and beech and maple are the ones that are coming in. So uh, a little different combination than, than what you stated there. But most of our breeding and migratory species that we find here in Indiana don't cue in on a very specific tree species. Instead, they are attracted to an area because of the structure of the forest in an area. So whether it's 10 to 15-year-old forest as opposed to 40, 50-year-old forest is the major characteristics that birds are focusing in on. If we lose our oaks, because of lack of regeneration, and that can be climate change related. It can also be land use related. Oaks often come in after big fires, and we haven't allowed big fires for a long time. If we lose the oak, some species will be harmed a little bit, uh, some bird species, but it depends upon the structure of the forest that replaces the oaks more than the loss of the oak species itself. Is a young forest more productive in terms of insects and food for the migratory birds? Very young forests, what grows up after a fire or after a clear cut or after an agricultural field is allowed to go back to nature. Very young forests provide a different suite of resources than do older forests. A lot of that is related to vegetation density or the volume of leaves that are present in a given stand of forest. A really young forest just has a whole lot of shrubs and young trees that provide a large vegetation volume and the amount of insects that are produced are related to the volume of leaves, the amount of fruit that is available, more important probably for fall migrants, is related to the kinds of species that you get in early successional forests. Those young forests have lots and lots of resources for migrant birds and also resources that birds use late in the breeding season. Older forests obviously have bigger trees, older trees, and they have more oh, trunks and branches that are suitable for building cavities in. So you're going to get more woodpeckers, more chickadees, more bluebirds with the older trees. So the different age forests provide different resources that are related to the structure of the forest. What are the long-term prospects for the birds that are breeding in Indiana, the effect of climate change on that? So you can go to the website for the U.S. Forest Service, and if you type in atlas and birds or atlas and tree, native trees, you can get to this set of maps. And what it shows for our birds is really dramatic changes for a wide variety of species, including many that we think of as being extremely common birds in our forest today. I did a quick and dirty review of the Forest Service database, and I found about 70% of the birds for which they had good data, because not all of the data sources for all species of birds can be modeled in this way, but of the bird species, breeding bird species here in Indiana for which they had good data, about 70% of them were expected to decline 
and about 30% were either going to stay stable or increase. So many more losers among our breeding birds than birds that will benefit from climate change. I've been speaking with Dr. John Deming. He is a professor of wildlife ecology at Purdue University. Thank you very much for your comments.